Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of Maintenance Disrupted. I'm your host, Steve Doby. Today, I welcome Ronan O'Sullivan to the show, and we talk about starting up a maintenance program. Ronan started at a power generation facility, and he, he was there from day one, bringing assets online, bringing the facility into operation, and maintaining it afterwards. It is a fascinating story. I thoroughly enjoyed this com- conversation. And I know you will too. Hello, everybody. This is Steve Doby here, one of your hosts of Maintenance Disrupted. If maintaining heavy equipment in BC and Alberta is part of your job, I'm excited to tell you about the fuel and lubricant supplier, Star West Petroleum. Having personally worked with Star West in a previous job, I can tell you their service is unmatched, and they are committed to saving you both money and downtime. Their service team learns your equipment and suggests ways to extend its life and overall perform better. I was in the throes of starting a new job at a large-scale mine in BC, and we wanted to improve reliability quickly. One of our top issues was hydrocarbon management, and with the support of StarWest team, we were able to reduce our cost and ultimately chart a better path forward for our hydrocarbon management. My bosses were impressed, but I really can't take the credit. Star West Petroleum did all the legwork. Star West is a top-tier distributor of Philips 66 lubricants, Kendall Performance Motor Oils, Philips 66 Aviation Lubricants, Redline Synthetics, and Aspen Alkylate Fuel for Professionals. Also available from Star West is clear and marked gasoline and diesel, heating and furnace oil. But really, it's their customer service that stands out. For more information, go to starwestpetroleum.ca or send me an email, and I will get you in contact with the StarWest team. You'll be glad you did, and so will your equipment. Now, here's your episode. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Maintenance Disrupted. I'm here with Ronan O'Sullivan today. Welcome to the show, Ronan. Hello, how are things? Things are going very well. So before we jump into today's topic, why don't you give us a little bit of information about yourself, where you've been, um, and and anything you think we need to know. Okay, yeah, no problem. Um, so I'm, I'm living in Ireland, kind of uh, living in a, a nice rural spot along the south coast there um, in County Waterford. Um, I suppose been working pretty much in, in maintenance, uh, from the get-go really since I left school. Um, so I would have started off with uh, doing a mechanical fitting apprenticeship with a, with a pharmaceutical company, fairly, fairly well-known one. Um, that kind of brought me up to, to around 2006. I suppose at the same time, I would have done a uh, kind of night classes and that, a kind of a certificate in uh, maintenance technology, which would have covered a lot of the, the, the maintenance theory, I guess, that, that uh, and I suppose you, the, the apprenticeship covering the practical. Um, so was after that I did a bit of traveling around, went to New Zealand and Australia, which is kind of the kind of typical thing for, for people of that age at that time. And uh, but tried tried to keep keep my hand in a bit and did a bit of uh, elevator kind of fitting, mining a little bit, and, and just working rail as well, um, kind of various kind of maintenance and fabrication type jobs. So returned around 2009 uh, things were a bit slack uh, recession wise going on so I got a job in, in uh, operations kind of in a, in a medical devices company um, 
I'm doing a bit of manufacturing, so I got a bit of a taste for that, which was which was okay too. It was worth worth seeing. Um, but things were slow, so I headed off to the UK then and kind of started getting into the energy industry a little bit over there, primarily kind of in biomass um, systems of from small to I suppose medium scale um, biomass systems over there, and then to where I currently am, uh, working in, for a, in a, at a CCGT plant in, in Ireland on this, along the south coast there. And I've been there probably for about uh, eight years now, roughly. Um, what's so, Sorry, I was just going to ask what? you, what's a CCG plant? Uh, CCGT, so a combined cycle gas turbine uh, power station. So roughly about a 460 megawatt uh, power station, um, gas fired. Um, so yeah bit of a jump from the small biomass systems. <laughs> but, I was uh, thinking, I was, I was like, that's a bit of a transition. So, yeah. you know, jump, so you've jumped around from a few different industries. And, you know, one of the things that I've been, uh, I've been told both when I've interviewed and when I've uh, talked to other people is um, that they can't get a job in a different industry because there's this opinion that if you're from mining or you're from power generation, you don't yeah. understand this other industry. Um, being that you've jumped around, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I suppose it is interesting. And uh, I suppose a lot of it, like, you have to probably look at these, you know, what everyone calls these transferable skills and, and maybe think a little bit outside the box um, in terms of, well, well, what are you doing every day? Um, and how, you know, the same things you're probably doing every day in this company, somebody's probably doing those very things in the next company, which is making a different product or, you know, working to a different process. So I suppose just probably when, when you're on that job hunt, I guess you need to uh, identify those things. Um, you know, if you're, if you're a supervisor or something like that in one company, it's, it's the people management skills really is what's going to get you that, that role in reality. You know, if you've got that technical background going to a, for argument's sake, a medical devices company to a power station to a pharmaceutical. It's just more mechanical, electrical bits and bobs, just working in a different way, a different process. Um, so, so you should probably pick that stuff up pretty quick, but it, it's it's probably the, as you say, it's the, it's the probably like your soft skills, your people skills. Um, sure, like depending on obviously the, the, the technical part of the job will, will come into it as well. But if, I suppose if you, if you don't have that, you probably wouldn't be going for it anyway. Um, I mean, like they're the bits that people probably need to, to focus on, I would say, and bring that stuff to the table, you know, when you get to that job interview stage. Um, yeah, for sure. Because I suppose where we are, there, there isn't a power station on every corner, if you know what I mean. So um, we often get people in from various backgrounds and industries and, and, and like you know it's not just a guy coming come, coming from the power station up the road down to this one they're very likely going to be coming from a, a very different industry and it's not really an issue um if you get if you've uh, an electrical engineer or something like that they're going to understand electrical systems and after that it's about who they are what can they bring to the team how will they fit in um work ethic and things like that so um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be turned off applying for for other roles, you know, jumping from something like I'm doing to food to pharmaceutical. 
fair enough, you're, you're, you might be on the back foot a little bit with things like GMP and uh, things like that, but they're, they're all things that can be pretty, pretty easily, um, you know, joined together and, and, and made yeah. up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's, you know, I, I think you, you pointed it out well there. It's, you know, it's all the mechanical pieces are all the same. They're just kind of arranged a little differently um, and for whatever, whatever you need. But at the end of the day, the principles, the maintenance, the reliability, the fundamentals, they're, they're all the same. Um, I guess the main thing that changes between industry is, is risk, but yeah. you know, yeah. as a maintenance yeah. and reliability person, you don't need to necessarily be an expert on the, on risk. And you, there's always that time to upskill yeah. and learn what you're, what's important in your specific industry. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's awesome. So now you've been on a bit of a journey the last few years. Um, you've been, well, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So as I say, when I, in my current role or in my current uh, site that I work on, I would have come in originally as the, as the maintenance supervisor. And I suppose um, kind of previous to that, I was kind of a, uh, operations and maintenance kind of manager in, in from from my previous company in the UK. So I suppose again that kind of managing people, um, again having a an understanding of mechanical electrical systems, um, was was probably what I was bringing to the table. I had never worked at a CCGT before. I'd never seen one up close. <laughs> so you know, it wasn't from that perspective I was getting the, getting the getting the role. And there were many like me as well, people taking on at the same time as me um, in the same boat. So, so it wasn't really like big power station experience. That, that, was, that was the big factor, you know. Um, so I did that, came in. Um, that was, uh, so it was a brownfield site, um, new, new power station being built, um, an old one being retired. Um, and I suppose we were effectively tasked with putting together a full uh maintenance program together get it up and running get it bedded in and uh and and yeah that was pretty much it so I, so i suppose we um probably took about we were probably on site for maybe about two years before we actually got our hands on the plant and i suppose that was our time to try and get all get all our ducks in a row effectively you know uh, uh figure out a little bit how the plant was going to operate obviously what 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 did we have what was critical what wasn't critical um you know what, what were the manufacturers telling us we should and shouldn't be doing um trying to get uh, all that information built up um but literally it was starting from scratch uh, getting out pnids pulling down you know valves and numbers and whatever and, and building up the whole database of our of our of our uh, asset register effectively so you know, you went from zero to something like 11, 12,000 assets in a system over the period of whatever, 18 months or something, and then trying to figure out uh, what should what should or shouldn't we be doing with them <laughs> after that. So did you go through a, an RCM process for that? Um, not, not, not really. And maybe, you know, maybe, maybe we should have at times, but um, I suppose... Uh, so we were part of a larger company that, that probably has a lot of stuff uh, kind of in the background. Um, so I suppose initially 
you have stuff like your pressure systems, which which obviously will will take a lot of attention, um, and they obviously need to uh, get registered and and uh, need to be inspected regularly. And, and that's probably the from a power station point of view, that's probably one of the main things you're you're concerned about is, is getting all that statutory uh, inspection type stuff uh, up to speed. You know what needs to be done and when it needs to be done. Um, that kind of takes on a bit of a life of itself. You, you generally have multiple people working on that and getting that bit kind of uh, bottomed out. And then I suppose you're, you're below that stuff. Well, then obviously you've got your 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 big main machine bits, your turbines and whatever. But your OEM will probably be the the, the primary go-to people on that. But then it, what we found is it's it's the rest is is what's the tricky bit. Um, so like the big pressure stuff tends to kind of get done because it has to get done. The, the, the turbine stuff is, okay, yes, they're, they're big bits of kit, but um, there's another one in Egypt. There's another one in Russia. There's another one in, in Australia. They're kind of all the same. It's a bit it's a bit like a car, if you know what I mean. It'll come with a, effectively its own maintenance program that you can just pretty much adopt. But as I said, it's it's the rest, the balance of plant, I suppose, as we call it, is, uh, is the tricky bit. You, you, you get the manuals, you get the ABB manual, you get the whatever Edwards vacuum pump manual or whatever, but, but that's it. You're, you're kind of left up to your own devices to, as to what you do and what you don't do. Um, so what I suppose we found is that the first thing we needed to really do was figure out, um, well, this plant or whatever is going to be handed to us in, in say a year's time. And then we're going to hit a warranty period of possibly two years, let's say, how do we navigate through that and make sure that we, we cover everything we need to cover. And I suppose if, if things do go wrong, which they probably will go wrong, how, just make sure that we have, uh, you know, enough done to say, look, you said do this, we've done that and it still went wrong. And look, you know, there, there's no arguments, I guess. So, so you could kind of say that was the way we kind of set ourselves up initially um, for, for maybe lack of a, a better way of doing it. But so we, a lot of the way we set ourselves up and not necessarily the right way was, was kind of looking at the manuals, trying to bundle stuff together, saying, well, look, if we can put a PM in to do this, that and the other, um, we'll do that. We went out and we got help, obviously, where we could. So like, uh, you know, rather than trying to dream up your own lubrication rounds and what you should and shouldn't be doing with, with kind of minimal, minimal enough expertise, I'll go out and talk to the experts and get them in and say, hey, look, you know, what can, what can you do for us here? And yeah. uh, absolutely, like that's that should probably nearly be your number one protocol for, for most things because <laughs> go and talk to the experts; they'll they'll have the solutions. Um, well, and I re I really liked what you said there on the um, going to the OEM manual first. Like they, you know, I've and even in some of the previous shows, there I've kind of knocked OEMs a little bit. But um, you know, when you buy when you buy something new, you, when you acquire that asset and it comes with a manual and a maintenance manual. Um, if you do all the maintenance they say in there, you're going to get what they sold you. You're going to get that, that, well, the theory anyways is if you maintain it to the way they, they describe, then you should be getting the, the performance, the output, yeah, the, the best out of it. Yeah. The, what your asset acquisition team was looking for. You gave the, they got a, a spec sheet that they had to follow. They went out to the manufacturers. They found this one. So you need to maintain it to their level. 
Um, yeah. And, you know, that's where I've seen so many people get in trouble is, you know, they take, they take these complicated pieces of equipment, these big pieces of equipment, whether it's a turbine or a truck or something, and they take the OEM manual, they throw it out and start from scratch. They do, a, they do an RCM on their own stuff and, you know, they feel they know better. And yeah, sometimes yeah. you're like, well, is it Dewey? Or, you know, maybe we should just take what they have and start maintaining our equipment that way. And then as we learn things operating these assets, we can adjust. Um, yeah, I, I would definitely agree. <laughs> and, and, and I suppose not only that, but there's a ton of good information in those O&M manuals usually. And as I say, if you chuck it over your shoulder and you never look at it, um, you, you can certainly uh, miss out on a lot of good stuff. And, and what I found a couple of times is where you, you are, you do start to have problems and, you know, whoever somebody goes out and they, they kind of kick a few tires effectively and they, and they do maybe what they always did um, and hope for the best. And maybe when that hasn't worked a couple of times, you know, then you start go digging for the manual and it's kind of like, oh, well, actually it says here, you know, you just need to do a bit of this and a bit of that and, and actually it'll work. And the information was always there, just, just, you know, I suppose people just thought a compressor is a compressor is a compressor, a pump is a pump is a pump. But, you know, the little intricacies that maybe the manual had and, and was trying to tell you, you've, you've, you've kind of uh, ignored and, and maybe to your own detriment. So, yeah, I, I definitely get the, the, the biggest problem with any manual is it doesn't take into, into the how you're using it, the criticality of it, what's it yeah. doing in a new process. And I mean, that, for that reason, people tend to just throw it out and say, oh, we can do our own thing. Um, but it should absolutely be a, a good starting point. Um, and if and if you don't have that time to go down and do a full RCA and RCM and so on and so forth and put the big theory in behind it, why not use it? You know, um, at the very very least, you know, you, it it should you know maybe tell you to do the the first oil change after fifty hours and the next one after one hundred and fifty hours and then you're good for eight thousand hours or whatever. <laughs> and you don't want to get caught up with those bits to say that you didn't do them. The thing failed after after twelve months. And you've got no record to say, well, you did look after it or you didn't look after it the way, the way you were supposed to do it. So, so that was our kind of main concern in the first uh, year or two, I suppose, just to make sure that we were covered from that point of view. Um, and, uh, but I suppose once you get beyond that, and in fairness, like the OEMs will, they, they look at it from the point of view of, of themselves and this is our machine and look after our machine only and They'd have you down there every day polishing it if, if they thought you know <laughs> if, if it was the only thing you ever had and that's just not realistic so i suppose beyond that um you, at that point i suppose if you get that to that one two-year period you you've also started to learn a bit um how, how does it operate is is it actually a reliable piece of kit or is actually is, is it a troublesome piece of kit does it does it still require the same amount of focus does it need more or less um, and you can probably uh, work from there into something um, a bit more for the long term. Then, so as you said, like if it's if it's uh, if it's something that's going to is giving you a lot of problems, by all means, do a deep dive into it and do a, an RCM or whatever. But if it's not, um, well, what have you been doing for the last say two years? That's maybe not adding a lot of value. Um, you know, have you been doing a little bit of overkill on it? Could, could you scale it back a bit? 
and and, uh, and you know just just carry on like that um do, do you need to do any maintenance at all maybe you don't maybe maybe on, on further reflection in terms of the whole process and how it's operated maybe you're happy to let this thing run to fail and, and, and not even bother uh go down and kick the tires every week or every month or whatever so um, yeah think, well, think I, that, yeah yeah i was just gonna say you know in that learning phase when you're you know you're kind of taking that critical look back and um maybe doing a pm optimization or something you know i think one of the you know certainly what i've seen is it's just kind of okay what checks are, are getting hits uh which ones aren't if they're, yeah. they're not getting anything then let, let's take it out um and there's not always a lot of thought around, okay, what are we actually controlling? What's the criticality of this check? And, you know, um, there's, there's a few, I've got a few examples. Um, you know, there's the steering system on a, on a haul truck, me being in mining, it's, um, you know, there's, there's checks you do on that system that probably 90, 99% of the time never show anything, but it's fairly frequent. But then, yeah. you know, if you don't do that check um, or if you fail that piece in there, you know, you've got a haul truck that's potentially loaded with 400 tons of material and you can't steer it. Um, so there's obviously a dangerous situation. Um, and, you know, when we're, we're starting to vary from what the, the OEM says or what our, our RCM told us in the beginning, you know, understanding that risk is key and making sure that it's, it's brought into that conversation. Uh, I've seen it too often where we've, we've just kind of ignored what the actual risk is. It's just looked at, we've looked at, okay, how do we save time on this PM? How do we get the rounds done faster? And okay, this one, we never see anything. It's the longest job. So let's take it out. But yeah. they didn't think about the, the effects of that. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and we, yeah, I suppose I'm trying, I'm trying to combat that myself uh, in, in the last, year or two where uh so say so I, I kind of moved on from that maintenance supervisor role now into more of a, an engineering role and kind of as i say doing a bit of a deeper dive into some of this stuff and like that you can very very as you said very easily dismiss something as being uh not required it's not as you said it's not getting any hits so to combat that a bit uh i've started to kind of add into the PM, the, the why, why are we doing this? You know, uh, where does this come from type of, type of information? Because as you said, it's very, if somebody has been sent out every month and, and you never get any follow-up work from it, or there's never anything detected, it's very easy just to, just to, you know, just can it basically. But, uh, but if, but if it's, if it's written in there, you know, we do this because, you know, there's a potential of this happening. If we don't, it, it, it's a stop point for when that person comes to the PM and tries to just turn it off. You yeah, know, actually, you know, maybe that's something we need to maybe we, <laughs> if that's still relevant, we really shouldn't be turning this off. Let's just carry on with it. Um, maybe, okay, you might change the frequency of it and possibly or something like that, but don't stop it altogether. Um, yeah. And, and that's something that's definitely worth thinking about as well. When you are setting this stuff up originally, is the why? Why, why are we doing this? Why did we think this was a good idea on day one? Um, and it's something that, when you go into a company that's been established, I don't know, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, and you just roll into a into a, a, an established maintenance system, all these PMs exist and, and, and things are happening, but you don't really know why. You, you, you don't have the full backstory. Um, and that's the beauty of, I suppose, starting off from scratch. 
where you actually get to, you know, you know, six, seven years under, you know why everything has been put in place the way it's been put in place. And um, which is great, you know, in the sense that, you know, I've met people who would run a mile from that. They just do not want the hassle of the startup, uh, develop everything from scratch. Um, would much rather just walk in somewhere where everything is established and you just, you just fall in line and off you go. And then I've heard, I've seen and met other people who absolutely run the other way. They just love to go from one startup to the next startup to the next startup. They just love that, um, I suppose, kind of pressure, I guess, to, to, you know, the kind of project type environment where it's, you know, get in there, get something moving, get it up and running, um, get it established. Yeah. Yeah. And that commissioning, commissioning work, I think is, it's, it's really underappreciated. Um, so I think the term uh, I've been using lately, there's called operational readiness. Um, and it's, you know, from when you're looking at commissioning something or a piece of equipment, it's from that date of commission to actually when it's performing at the level you expect it to and what's the time in between. And if you have a team that is really good at their commissioning work, you know, they did all the the proper laser alignment, they, they did the proper shimming and all the other stuff along the way, then that time frame of operational readiness is going to be much smaller. But if you've, you're Russian people, you didn't have the right tools, whatever it might be, then, you know, you're going to be sitting there fighting with those, those gremlins in your systems for yeah. ex- extended period of time. And, you know, if you can, it, it, it's got to be satisfying when you can take the time and do it right. And, but I imagine, um, like I know, uh, we were talking just before the show about a, play, a place up in Edmonton, um, and they were just opening a, a new oil refinery up there, and it was billion dollars over budget, uh, two years behind schedule, and they're sitting there. I, I was uh, helping them with their uh, lubrication, setting up their lubrication rounds, and <laughs> they were looking at. Um, uh, pumps and they're the mechanics and the the mill rights there were supposed to be signing off on the commissioning of it and he walks up to one and he's like they asked me to commission this there's no pump sitting here <laughs> so how can we possibly commission it and it was yeah. it was just a wild place um <laughs> since improved it is amazing in this day and age how you know projects don't run more smoothly than they do they you know um that is like, and when you're in that project phase, and you, you know, you come in and you're you're trying to, you're really only interested in the maintenance side of things and all the bits that that go with that. But there's so many different people around you that have just such conflicting um, priorities in terms of, uh, even like just trying to even get your hands on those O and M manuals that we spoke about, trying to get your hands on um, drawings and things like that. You're trying to you're trying to build something before stuff something's even built if you know what i mean so so how how do you do that and how do you how do you how do you do that accurately so i suppose like no matter what you do there's always going to be that kind of do your best phase with what you've got initially as i say try and cover yourself at least that warranty wise you're you're covered you're you're not uh, you're you're definitely ticking as many of those boxes as you can but, but without a doubt in the in the in the following two, three, four, five years, you are definitely going to be trying to optimize things um, with whatever tools you can get your hands on. But, you know, 
where you, where you'll be after year six, seven, eight is certainly not where you'll be after year one or two. You know what I mean? Um, and I think I think that's maybe that's the bit that people find frustrating that you know coming in somewhere new. It's such a it's a bit of a slog to be honest to to get from nothing to as I say to that that point where you're you're kind of bedding down and things are you've you've kind of put a good bit of thought into everything at this point and and um, things are just kind of moving along relatively smoothly. Um, obviously, all those gremlins have been kind of ironed out from that project phase. The, the, you know the, the stuff that just got balled up and, and thrown at you as as the contractor ran out the door. You know you've sorted those bits out. Um, and now you like you've got a good handle. Not only that, but you've learned the plant. You've learned what what works well, what doesn't work well. When you operate it this way, you know it behaves better, and so on and so forth. But uh, yeah, it is uh, it definitely it, it, it's definitely a tricky environment without a doubt. And it's actually funny. I was gonna doing a, you could say a bit of research prior to this, and, and it's, it's you know it's that. Um, is it uh, the Tuckman, the four phases of team development really, really come into it. That's, you know, the whole forming, storming, uh, norming and performing thing. And, you know, even, even when nobody says it and you don't even set out to kind of follow it without a doubt, it just, it just falls into place. And, and you, those stages are, are unavoidable <laughs> basically. Um, no two ways like that, you know, that, that year one to year two type kind of forming stage there's just so much uncertainty. Everyone seems to think they're in the dark because um, nobody's telling them this or nobody's telling them that. But it's 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 it's, it's a lot of times just people don't know. Um, you, you can't tell people what you don't know effectively. Um, so it's, it is funny when you when you look back at it and go, God, yeah, we, we went through that phase and we went through that phase and you know here we are now and things have kind of we come out the other side and you could probably say right we're getting into that that performing stage now. But you know that's 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 five, six years down the road. Whereas maybe when people walk into these things, um, they're probably thinking maybe one, two years down the road, but it's, but it's a much longer slog than, than that, to be fair. Yeah. Whenever you're in those reliability where, uh, well, whenever you're setting up maintenance or, you know, you're really looking, you're looking at it such long, long term, and it's hard for a lot of people to wrap their heads around, like, you know, we're setting up this maintenance plan and like, I mean, it, you look at the integrity side like those assets are going to be there for 40 50 years potentially and you're setting up the maintenance plan and you're not going to be around to see the full life cycle of of the equipment you know you'll you'll move on to a different job different company wherever it might be um and it's going to be somebody else is going to sit be sitting there wondering what was this guy thinking 40 years ago when he put this maintenance plan together or, you know, it's, um, or, you know, it lasts 40 years, they do their, do their inspections and it's like, Oh, this is clearly was set up great. Everything, uh, you know, you know, hopefully we're, we're more in the 40 years from now, you know, we've learned a lot over the last previous 40 years. So hopefully we're, we're in a bit of a different space, but you look at some of these legacy plants and how they were set up and, you really wonder the the thought for maintenance really wasn't there, same as it is yeah. maybe today yeah. when we're building well, things. So funny enough, like that that go, that goes back to your kind of uh, one of your first questions there about you know you talk about people moving from from job to job or place to place, and you know people find that difficult or people find it daunting that you know they might have worked somewhere for 10, 15 years and then they they want to try and make that move. But I suppose maybe that's maybe it's my approach, but 
you know, there is no guarantee you're going to be in one place forever. So, you know, you're going to work, you're working in maintenance. So you're setting up this maintenance plan. And as you say, you're not going to be there for the full life cycle, but you're setting it up in such a way that the next guy or next girl can come along and just take it up from you and say, oh yeah, I can see exactly what that guy was doing before me. Makes sense. There's the reasoning behind it. I just need to pick it up and I'll take the baton on for the next 10, 15 years. And then, you know, they might hand it on to the next person after that. And it's, so it's like when you, when you're setting this stuff up or even depending on whatever stage you're at, moving from job to job shouldn't be that big, a big a deal really, because, you know, maintenance is maintenance, engineering is engineering, like projects are projects. They, They generally, once you're going into a kind of relatively similar uh, scale of a of, of a you know facility project whatever things will kind of fall along that line you 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 you'll, you'll start to see similarities of oh yeah well I used to do that in my last job and that's the same way we used to do it and okay you do that a bit differently or oh you're a bit more advanced here but you know by the way I can bring something to the table too we were we were a bit more advanced in this point point or whatever so it's, say it is a you know people can get very bogged down in well this was this was the plant that I worked in and you know this is what we did and you know and, and if might find it hard to relate that to somewhere else but but if you stop back stand back and think about it for a second you go well actually this was just maintenance and, and, and the place down the road is maintenance too and they use a CMMS and okay it's called a different thing but it's still got PMs in it it's still got you know work orders in it it's still got you know risk assessments in it whatever so uh you know, say it, it, there's just, just so much similarity across uh, across all the different industries, really, and, and there are things we need to try and bring from place to place. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that ties in well to my next question. So when you were looking at building a sustainable maintenance program and a maintenance plan, what what are some of the considerations and challenges that you've you've had to deal with? Um, I suppose one of the things that I would say, and again, it really comes back a little bit to this, this conflicting, uh, conflicting interest in, at, the, at that project stage where, you know, um, more than likely before you've even come along, um, the design of the plant is done. You know what I mean? It's, it's, too, it's you're, you're going to be doing very well to, to start tacking bits on at that point, getting, getting someone to spend extra money to, to start putting in this, that, and the other, just because, you know, you feel like it. Um, and that can be, so you might come in somewhere and say, well, you know, the last place I worked, we had uh, um, automatic greasing or we had, um, you know, vibration analysis on everything. And all of a sudden now you're coming in somewhere new and, and it doesn't have it. So, and, and not only that, but your, your plant may not even be set up for it. You might not have Wi-Fi everywhere. You might not have... Uh, you know, might be very, fairly, fairly standard, <laughs> standard plant, and and you you got the, the basic level of equipment, and off you go. Um, so that can be a challenge, I suppose, when you're when you're when you're kind of you're kind of on the back foot a little bit from a kind of technology perspective to trying to bring in new stuff. Um, and, but I suppose it just means that you kind of have to look a bit harder and maybe think a bit uh, deeper as to how you can find a solution or is there a solution out there. That, that that's probably catering for this um you know it's, it's maybe not the one with the biggest 
the biggest marketing budget that's been thrown in front of your face every day. Maybe it's somebody else going look at, you know, go and do a bit more digging. And more than likely, there's, there's, there will be a solution out there to, to, to solve your problem. It mightn't be the slickest, you know, it mightn't be all, you know, turn, turn the lights off and everything has been done over the internet. It mightn't be as, as good as that, but, uh, you know, there'll definitely be solutions out there to try and bring you along a little bit. Um, you know, whether that's uh, putting in additional vibration monitoring equipment or, or whatever. Um, some, you know, you've, you've missed the boat. It didn't get hardwired in day one. <laughs> what, what can you do? So you need, you need to find the next thing. And, and if that means you have to go out and change the battery every three years, then, then so be it, you know what I mean? Um, I, I guess that's a nice thing about uh, um, the industry 4.0 and what we're seeing today is that, you know, you don't need the wires running everywhere and, you know, some of those old facilities that were, you know, the high risk or whatever wired to the teeth. And like, you look at some of the cabling and everything that was associated with it going to the control rooms. Yeah. Now it's, you know, is there a, is there an outlet nearby? <laughs> and yeah, we'll just hook yeah, it up yeah, to the yeah. Wi-Fi. And, yeah, exactly, you know, it's yeah. completely changed. Getting new sensors or, or new, new anything installed is so much easier today than it was, you know, even even just ten years ago, with yeah, yeah, how yeah. how much the wireless technology has improved. So yeah, we, like, we found that even we even um, we we struggled for a few years trying to get a uh, a vibration monitoring system that that suited the plant and suited our operators and 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 how they wanted to work. So, you know, like any power station, there's 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 risk in um, swapping things over and switching things around, and you know. Um, starting pumps and stopping pumps and stuff. If you're in a nice steady state and you're you're earning nice money, then you don't want to go fiddling with things too much, basically, because you know it's it's, it's unnecessary risk. But then you know, if, if you're getting some guy in, you know, a guy in a van who wants to go around and, and put his probe on on stuff, but, but you know, seventy percent of the stuff isn't running, then you know you're you're, you're missing a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of data there, basically. So. We struggled with that for a bit. We were kind of saying, you know, we've got this option, that option, and eventually the options kind of caught up with us with what we needed. Where, you know, you've got these Bluetooth sensors, you you stick them on, you put them on with magnets, and they'll they'll wake up if the machine is running. They'll take a reading. If not, they'll go back to sleep. And 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 that, and that way, then you weren't putting operations under pressure to be switching this over on a Thursday just because the guy in the van turned up. You know what I mean? Um, they can be switching things over at weekends if the if the plant is off or you know when it suits them, and 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 the the equipment will grab a reading as and when it suits rather than as and when it suits the guy in the van if you know what I mean. So that eventually has kind of caught up with us, and that's the system we're kind of currently trying to uh, implement at the moment. And as then to say, it's just a then the guy in the van is going around with his with his tablet and just literally Bluetoothing the information from the sensor to his tablet and up to the cloud. And then your, your analysis has been done from there, you know? So it puts a lot of, takes a lot of the pressure off um, planning and organizing, you know, stuff to be in service at particular times when such and such a guy, you know, just that's a, that's a massive headache that nobody really wants. Whereas actually the technology is doing the work for you. It's, it's, it's waking itself up. If there's something worth reading, it'll read it. If it's, if it's not, it'll go back to sleep, you know? Um, and, and anything like that that can make when you have a small team, anything like that that's going to make your life easier is is just is worth its weight in gold, really. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and how big is your team? Um, we'd have it uh, overall about 50, uh, maybe even less than 48. Um, and that's across obviously all roles. That's all operations, maintenance, engineering, and then a few of the support roles as well, safety and environmental and things like that. So to run, so run your, yeah, that's, uh, so, you know, running lean, obviously there's, um, a lot of advantages to that. Do you find, um, or I imagine with that and, and the way you're, the way you just described your um, the Bluetooth sensors there, are you you're using a third party to kind of do a lot of the analyses for uh, like your vibration, or is that mostly in house? Uh, yeah, that'd be all external. Um, again, you know, we just don't have the numbers, the bodies to to be able to to a go off and learn it, how to do it, and b probably sit down every month and trawl through hours and hours of uh, analysis to, to go and do it. We obviously do have, um, we do have, uh, so the, the 48 to 50 people, whatever is, is on site. And obviously then we do have further support, engineering support offsite. Um, and, and, but they obviously don't look, just look after us. They look after all the, all the different stations. So um, there is expertise there and stuff. You can kind of bounce stuff, uh, things off, but uh, they're all busy as well. They've got, <laughs> they've got their day job just because we've decided to bring in XYZ system and now it needs analysis doesn't mean that they're going to find the time to do it either. So um, without a doubt, uh, getting, um, you know, your, your external experts effectively on board to do that for us is, 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 is kind of a, a, a key way to, to, to do it really when, when you have a small team. Um, yeah, absolutely. I'm always a little torn to like, you know, and I have this in, a, in my, my day job is, you know, do I just bring in an expert that knows how to do it? Or, you know, this is something I really want to learn how to do. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it's, you know, you're looking at vibe, you're, you're looking at the, the length of time it takes to get up to speed. You're like, okay, maybe it is worthwhile just getting somebody that already knows what they're doing here. And then, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. for whatever well, was, The way to do it, I guess, is, is learn enough that you can have a conversation about it uh, with, <laughs> with your external experts so that, you know, you're not just you know your eyes aren't glazing over as soon as as soon as they mention vibration or, or you know ultrasound or something so yeah. learn enough that, that at least you can you can have a conversation about it and, and and maybe learn a bit more from them but but at the end of the day i suppose you have to look at your own plate and say i'd love to go off and learn about this and, and know how to do it but you know am i going to get that day a month every month to, to do it myself or you know is the phone going to ring and i'm going to be pulled from pillar to post and actually the, the bit that really needs to get done doesn't end up getting done because you know you've got you just the other 20 or 30 things on your plate are getting getting all the attention so you do have to kind of know where your limits are i guess in terms of uh that that kind of knowing when to kind of jump in and say yeah this is something i can definitely find time for every month or this is something that look yeah for, absolutely for what it's, cost, for what it's costing uh, so someone else yeah. can do it basically and whenever you're on site there's always something more pressing than whatever you're currently doing so <laughs> exactly yeah 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 absolutely yeah that's uh, uh it sounds like it's been been a lot of fun um you know i that that brownfield environment it's not something i've ever had the the joys of working and i've always come in as um after things were already broken and they, they didn't necessarily do the, the brownfield right. So 
um, that's got to be a nice a nice change. But I imagine the, you know, when you're setting up the systems and you're setting up like the CMMS and the data, um, like how is, you know, we're always complaining when, you know, 10, 20 years down the line, what they did setting things up. Um, you know, I guess it goes back to that RCM type thought and, and um, but if there was something you could have done like seven years ago, when you started all of this, um, is there something you would have done a bit differently that, you know, you're kicking yourself today? <laughs> <laughs> Good question. Probably where, you know, there's, there's probably a long list. Hindsight is always twenty twenty, right? Exactly. Like it's yeah, it's yeah. always so, easy to look back after something's broken and realize what you should have done better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, without a doubt, because like there is, there's without doubt stuff that, um, you know, even in the last year or two, you're looking back on why did we, what, why did we do that? But uh, at the time, it it made perfect sense, and um, you know, again, when when you're in that project phase, you might get resources available to you to say, hey, you know we can get a bit of IT time here and they can do a mass upload of, of your PMs or they can do a mass upload of your, your assets or something. So you end up being given a template and you're just told, fill out the template, put all the, put all the, put all the values in the boxes and give it to IT and it'll, it'll just appear on the, on the CMMS. But the problem with that is you're, you're kind of asking people who are probably already busy to start filling out boxes and you know maybe it's not their top priority. So the, the level of thinking that goes into it um, is, is probably limited and you end up with a CMMS that gets ends up being quite busy quite quickly with, with, with little enough thought and actually it's not later on when you start using it you're kind of going oh, it would have been good to get some information in that box or you know what you know we're, we're really missing this or we're really missing that but, but we've got 2,000 records now and who's going to go back and fill all that in you know what I mean um, and, and actually so maybe a bit in hindsight you're probably going was that really the best way way around it? Were, were we, you know, would we, we have been better off to kind of go a bit slower and build up things a little bit um, as we went rather than trying to get everything in there at the start? But then again, you know, you're doing your best at the time and you're, 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 you're probably fighting a lot of fires. There's, there's, there's so much stuff to be done to get set up. And if somebody offers you a, an easy solution, you're going to jump on it. But um, that'd be one thing, I suppose. It's probably definitely the more thinking you can do up front and the, and the more you can kind of put into uh, even, even if I could do a dummy run like of how you think you're going to work on a daily basis um, and therefore what information do you need, what do you need to pull out, um, what will you need to hand. Uh, if you can, the more forward thinking you can do will it will definitely help in terms of setting yourself up right from day one um it was a kind of a, a right first time approach um but at the same time as i said you, you're going to do your best with what you've got at the time but so so long as you kind of approach it with look there, there's a continuous improvement element to this and uh you know you you you're, you're going to be handed a, a plant or whatever in, in in a year's time or two years time have a process there where you know you can people can feed stuff back and and come up with better ways and they can be taken on board and not just kind of put in the bottom drawer for later they can be acted upon um i think if you've got that if you've got that in place it'll save a lot of frustration where people 
you kind of see things are going wrong. They're making suggestions. The suggestions aren't getting actioned because everyone's up, you know, up the walls. They, they, they just don't have time. Whereas if you got that kind of continuous improvement philosophy faded in quite early, that should nearly just take over these things and actually, you know, you can, you can start kind of uh, manipulating things a little bit better to kind of to suit yourself, you know, um, and, and, and everything you've learned can start coming together and, and, um, and uh, you know, get, getting you out to that performing side of, of, the, of the scale that little bit quicker um, is, is definitely, I would say, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a bit, a bit of, as much for, as much forward thinking as you can possibly <laughs> possibly get your brain to do is, is, the, is the main thing. Oh, and I really liked what you said there. You know, we always make the best decision on the day that we with the information we have available, and it's it's always so easy to look back and and kick yourself a little bit for not doing something a little differently. But you know, it's it, it's you, you just kind of gotta learn from whatever you've done. And then, you know, hopefully the next time you're in that same situation, you've got a little bit more information to, to go a bit of a different route. So no, um, those were, that was really good advice there. Now we're just about out of time. Um, so before we, we, we end the show, is there any, um, do you have anything upcoming, any webinars, any, uh, not, not too many conferences happening these days or, or how can people get in touch with you if, uh, if you um, want them to? Yeah. <laughs> I've nothing really coming up. I've, I've, I've gone back to college in the last few years. So my, my, all my spare time is uh, buried in different books and, and assignments and whatever. So unfortunately, my, my time for uh, spreading wings is, is, is a bit limited. But um, yeah, LinkedIn is probably the best way if anyone wants to get in touch with me. Um, I say I do the same with, your, with the podcast that I've gone before. I, anyone who comes on, I look them up and I, I connect with them because uh, say any, any bit of insight is, I say, is worth having. Um, sponge it up you know there's, there's still plenty of learning to be done and uh so yeah if anyone wants to get in touch with me linkedin is definitely the, the place to be awesome that's great and yeah so it was great having you on ronan uh really appreciate your your time and your insights and uh you know i think there's i think we'll have to have you on again uh, you know we only scratched the surface of what you've been what you've gone through in the last few years getting your your plant up and running so uh yeah yeah, and absolutely. No, it was great. Uh, so really loving the podcast, so keep them coming, absolutely. <laughs> Thanks. It's always good to hear. Mm-hmm.